Hello, Mike. Oh, God. How are you doing? I'm good. You look very nervous. You're just in this black room now. Is every inch of this office now covered in those panels? Please don't touch them. You don't like me touching the panels, We've Mike? been through this before. Please don't touch the panels. Because what's happening is we're on video right now, and you're going to touch one of those panels. It's going to fall down and hit you on the head. No, look. It's going to knock you unconscious, and I can't do anything. Don't do that. You can see it's really solid, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, it looks great. Anyway, no, Mike. I, I wouldn't be crazy. I wouldn't cover my entire room with nothing but soundproof panels. I've just built a little monolith at the back of my room that I'm now cozy, cozy and ensconced inside. Oh, God. It gets very warm in here. Yeah, I bet it does. <laughs> at least you sound great. <laughs> That's what matters, Mike. It's all for the show. I dropped my black keyboard. I brought from the iMac Pro that graphite wireless keyboard. I brought that home to use in the recording studio. Okay. Or the recording uh, the recording monolith, I guess. The recording, like, box. I there needs to be a... We need a name for it, but I don't know what it is yet. Yeah, no, it, it's a black monolith. Uh, which is great because it's wireless. It's, it's really convenient. Uh, except for this moment where I've dropped it. And because this room is entirely black, I cannot find the keyboard. <laughs> I don't know where it is. Really? Like, like I know it has to be within no more than two feet of where I am right now. Uh -huh. But I can't, I can't find it. I can't pull up the show notes. Oh, here it is. Uh, okay. Oops, there it is. All right. I didn't drop it. I slid it underneath the iMac that's in front of me, and then it became immediately invisible. <laughs> it's like, what is that, Fanta Black? That, like, that black paint that... Is the it blackest of black. Yeah, is it Vanta Black? Is that what it's called? That sounds right. That might be right. I don't know. You need to get some of that going on in there. I think I don't. I think actually what I need is more lights. More lights and more air conditioning. That stuff, I'm looking at pictures of it now. That Vanta Black is like, it just looks like a hole is cut out of the image. Yeah. Yeah, it's unreal to it's see some of those so photos. It's so weird. It's like, it's strange because it comes across even in photos. Just like these pixels, these pixels are registering nothing. Yeah, it's really strange. Well, yeah, so I'll get some air conditioning in here. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, air conditioning makes a little bit of noise. So I'll need some more sound isolation. And then, and then you need more, more air conditioning. More air conditioning. <laughs> you need to build that set up inside of an igloo. <laughs> and then you'll be okay. I'll just, no, I'll just keep adding layers of air conditioning and layers of soundproofing and layers of air conditioning. Mm -hmm. uh, and it'll be like that, uh, that comic book blame where the world is just like a, a a universe that's entirely this artificial construction stretching out throughout the entire solar system. Like, it's just going to be air conditioning and soundproofing all the way, all the way to Pluto. Hi, Mike. Hello. We've, uh, we've finally found a recording date mm. that we can, <laughs> we can both get together to record the show. Oh, both. Both is not... Uh, there wasn't a problem with both. No, it's, it, we're both in London, so uh -huh. we can record... The show. That is uh -huh. the necessary condition. But one of us didn't go anywhere. Now that I have invested all of this time and effort into the recording monolith, which is around me, mm -hmm. uh, I do not want to record anywhere else. Well, we cannot have and, it. Uh, we both need to be in London in well, order to record a podcast. Except for that one episode a year where we're going to be in San Jose. Except for that mm. one. I don't know. I, who knows if that's going to happen? Who knows, right? Who knows? Year? I don't know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? 
So you've been out and about. What what are your observations of traveling around? Tell me tell me the the <laughs> thoughts of a rambling man. <laughs> oh, I mean, I've been on, I think since the last time we spoke, four trips, uh, three out of the country, one within the country. Too much too much travel. Year of order. Oh, <laughs> man. Order to the travel. Uh, yeah. Year of order. Those first two trips, total disaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I have two trips back to back. I'm going to go. Year of order. Total fail right from the start. <laughs> didn't didn't work at all. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna get up in the morning, I'm gonna write, and I'm gonna exercise, and then I'm gonna go do all the things, which is the reason why I'm on this trip. Nope, mm-hmm. of course, because when you go on business trips, one of the reasons you're going is because there's lots of stuff that you should be doing when you're there, and it just ends up sucking up all of your time. And I was thinking like, oh sure, I'll get back to the hotel later and exercise. But later means one in the morning. And I was like, guess what? It's not going to happen then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, little, little little preview for year of order with traveling so far. Total fail. I did do slightly better on the second two trips. Uh, I feel like when I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to learn how to make things reasonable. But one of the main things with year of order is driving me crazy with traveling right now. A thing that I'm obsessed with, Mike is my travel charging situation. All all of the various things that I bring with me that need charging. I am I am a man obsessed with trying to reduce the number of different kinds of wires or the number of things that I have to charge. And once you start thinking about it, like it won't let your mind go, and it's it's driving me crazy. Okay. So here, let me tell you one thing. One thing alone that's really bothering me. So I think the Pareto solution for charging is like you need three wires that will be able to charge ninety percent of your devices. I feel like that's a that's a general rule. You're going to need three different things. Like mm-hmm. two wires will probably get you seventy percent of the way, and three wires will get you ninety percent of the way. And for me, those are lightning, USB-C, and I always forget which way it goes. Is it the mini USB or is it the micro USB that's the really small one? I want to say it's the micro USB that's the really small one. I don't know. Yeah, nobody knows, right? I think it's micro. I think mini is like a really weird connector. There's too many USBs. Yeah, it's micro. Micro is the one that you're thinking of. Is the really little one. That's the one that everybody uses. Like if you're not right. using like lightning or USB-C, it's micro. Right. Okay. So that's micro. Got it. So those three, I feel like, are my 90% solution wires. What are you charging with micro USB, though? Oh, Mike. This is what makes me sad. What I'm charging with micro USB is all the things I should be charging with USB-C. Yeah. Why is USB-C taking such a goddamn long time to get here? Uh, I am charging, okay, let me think off the top of my head, stuff in my bag that I'm charging with micro USB. Okay, number one, vitally important, noise-canceling headphones. They should be USB-C, what's going on? Like, I know this isn't your thing, right? But, like, come on. Yeah. So, noise-canceling headphones, micro USB, super frustrating. My mouse for traveling, I use the MX Anywhere mouse so that's like the that's like the little brother version of the mx master mouse Mm. and 
I bring that one with me for traveling because it's ambidextrous. So while at home, I have equipment like the pen tablets and stuff that would allow me to easily switch hands. When I'm traveling, I want a mouse that I can use in both hands and the MX, yeah, I think it's called MX Anywhere. Yeah, MX Anywhere. I'm looking at it right now. It's a good looking mouse. It's, I assume it's small, right? Yeah. Okay. So it, yeah. Oh yeah. Here's a picture of it in somebody's hand. There you go. Now I know. <laughs> yeah. Small and you can swap left or right hand. Great. Uh, it, you can use it both ways. So it's it's nice. It's not a mouse I would want to use at my desk uh, because it's just a little too small for like an all-the-time mouse, but it's perfect for traveling. Uh, but that uses mini USB. Super frustrating. Oh, man. Logitech make an ergonomic mouse. I did not know about this. It's called the MX Ergo. Isn't the MX Master Mouse an ergonomic mouse? No, it's not, Gray. It's got a trackball and it tilts. You can tilt it to any level you want. Look at that little thing. Interesting. Please send me that link after the show. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Next week on Cortex, you'll hear how Mike's arm fell off because he used another Logitech mouse. You're the only one who has problems with those Logitech mice. I love them. Man, that is, that's a Cortex deep cut. That still comes up for me every now and then, where like people reference the fact I was so excited about that mouse, and then like three weeks later, like oh, I can't move my wrist anymore. Yeah, that's real. That's real early show stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so last thing that I bring with me that requires mini USB is the Amazon Kindle, and that one is particularly frustrating because the Kindles. While I really like them, Amazon super cheaps out with whatever the whatever port they're putting in for the mini USB. It's the worst. It's the cheapest, flimsiest, hardly connects version of mini USB. Mini USB is crap, though. Like, it is crap. It's a terrible, terrible connector. Like, USB-C is so vastly superior to it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I just... That little tiny USB port is the worst it i always feel like if i'm putting in like i'm crunching it like it, it feels, feels like i'm like it's physically breaking, breaking it every yeah, time exactly. every time and I, I know why it is and it is a good i guess kind of a good feature it has those little hooks right that like latch in but mm-hmm. because you have to do that like this isn't a normal thing for connectors where like you can feel something changing when you plug it in it's like yeah. it's very strange and also because there's some expectation of resistance it is the only cable where i have uh, pushed unreasonably when mm. I have it going the wrong direction. No. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it's the, it is the only port which I have occasionally actually broken on devices because I'm like, oh, right, this, this little micro USB, it feels so terrible when you put it in. I'm putting it in and it feels terrible. Sure it does. And then crunch, like, oh, no, like I actually broke it this time. It's, I feel like terrible. I need to be the voice of the agonized listener right now to ju- just uh-huh. point out the fact that you also need another cable, which is the Apple Watch charger, because you haven't mentioned that one yet. <sighs> Yeah. So this is right. But this is what I mean by this charging law that if Mm -hmm. you have three cables, you'll be able to charge 90 percent of your stuff. But then there's all the crap that has one specialized charger. Right. And it's like, look at you, Apple Watch. 
Oh, like that was my least favorite thing about the Apple Watch right from the start. It's like, oh, I need a cable just for you. Mm-hmm. And the electric toothbrush that I use has a different funny USB connector at the end that nothing else I own uses. So it's like, oh, okay. If I want to charge my electric toothbrush, I need a cable just for you. Do you not have the one where you can plug it into the case with mini USB? Yeah, it charges through the case. Oh, but it's a different connector for you? It's a different huh. USB, yeah. Oh, great. It's not the same micro USB that my headphones and my Kindle <laughs> use. No, it's a different USB. That's probably mini then. I think that is the mini one. It's it's the chunkier one that used to be on cameras a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm forgetting what it is, but I have something there's something else in my bag that also requires like a custom charger, which is super annoying. I can't I can't think of what it is. Is it you? <laughs> <laughs> don't 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 don't, t- don't say that mike <laughs> don't let the people know because <laughs> i feel like i'm gonna break your heart here but for mm. my traveling purposes i only need three cables okay yeah what are you what are your three it's the apple watch lightning and USB-C. yeah but that, that seems right i have a micro like in my backpack in case of emergencies but i don't have any technology that i take with me that requires a cable that isn't one of those. That works really great. And I do agree that like that's good because really that's just that's three cables I need. I mean, of course, I have a couple of lightning cables or whatever, right? But mm-hmm. I don't need all of those. Um, I can get away with just one. Yeah, but but even that, I, I feel like anybody, you, they name three cables and they're, they're pretty much fine, right? Mm-hmm. Like I could get away with not bringing the extra cables, right? It's not like necessary. And if I if I had to not bring cables, it's like, okay, well, the toothbrush cable is going to be the first one to go, right? It's, but I, I think almost any traveler, there's going to be three things that they absolutely have to have. Mm-hmm. But so I've been, I've been obsessed with this idea of trying to consolidate chargers down. And I had, I had what I thought was a brilliant idea, right? So I'm thinking, okay, all right, I've got all these different wires. We also have the problem of what's on the other end of the wire, right? So what is the wire mm, yeah. plugging into mm-hmm. to actually charge? And now, now we start getting into the fun, the fun question of like, is it USB-A on the other end? Is it USB-C on the other end? Is it some other like funky little travel charger thing? Like what's on the other end of this thing? And I thought, I thought, Mike, I was going to be so clever because I thought I know what I'm going to do. I can't, I can't get all of the, I can't condense down the number of cables that I need. But what I can do is at least make the other end of all of these cables USB-C so that I can try to simplify my charging situation on the other end. That I'll just have like a brick and it'll have a bunch of USB-C ports in it and I'll buy wires from Monoprice or Anchor or whatever that have a USB-C cable on the one end, even though that's not entirely up to spec with some of the things it plugs into, but whatever, I don't care. Uh, Like, I'll just get that, and at least I'll simplify on one end. But, Mike, why? Why are there no USB-C chargers that I can buy that have more than one USB-C port? I don't, I don't understand the situation in the world. I scoured the internet. Like, hey, I mm-hmm. will spend any amount of money for a charging brick that has four USB-C ports in it. Any amount of money. Yeah, it doesn't exist. It doesn't like exist. Right now, because you can get them. I have one, which is like an anchor thing, which has five USB, regular USB ports on it. And, mm-hmm. But like the most that I've ever seen 
is like one of these things and it has one or maybe two USB-C ports on it, but never more than that. Yeah, so like I'll I'll get to what my current solution is for the moment, but I was like I was so frustrated with this. I feel like USB-C has been around now for what? A year and a half? Yeah, 2 years? Something like that. 2 years is a thousand years in internet time. Like I, I don't understand why I can't I feel like I am the guy who needs to exist, the person who is willing to be on the edge and willing to spend a bunch more money on earlier products to like help create the market where things eventually come down in price later. Right. And so like I, I was I was there on the internet with like my credit card and my wallet open. Like I will spend anything to simplify my charging situation in the slightest way, which is to just get USB-C all on one end. And the internet said back, no, sorry, we can't help you. There's nothing we can do here. And it's just it's incredibly frustrating. Uh so I'm I'm just I'm frustrated with my charging situation because there's too many things that I need to charge that have too many different kinds of wires. I wish everything was just I wish I could get more things like wirelessly charge like anything I can do to get these numbers down, I would be happy about. But then even on the other end, like the things that I need to plug it into, it's like, oh, okay, I need to have some smattering of USB-C or USB-A on the other end, which is now doubly frustrating because it's a question of like, well, some of these things, if I want to plug them into my computer, I need to make sure that I have the USB-C end for those cables. But can I plug those cables into a brick to charge them in the wall? Like, no, I cannot. I Now I need to have a USB-A and a USB-C version of a bunch of these cables, like the lightning cable. I need the USB-A version and I need the USB-C version. And I'm going mad, Mike. I'm going mad. I hate it. I hate travel charging. So what are you using now then? No. Oh. Okay, my current solution. Oh, right, of course. One of the problems is it needs to work internationally as well, my charging solution. Yeah. My, my goal here, smallest number of wires, maximum number of countries. That's, that's what I'm going for here. What I want to create is a charging solution that lives in my travel bag that I never touch. Right? It just, it's just in there. And I don't have to assemble it every time that I travel. So this is my goal. And what I'm using right now is there is an anchor charger that has four USB-A ports mm -hmm. and one USB-C port. Yes. It's like IQ something charger. It has like a little blue ring around mm -hmm. the USB-C I hate that port. they have that little blue light, by the way. I have, I have the older version of that and it has a little mm -hmm. blue light on it. But mm -hmm. these things go on the bedside table in the hotel. So then there's like a little blue light constantly. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. Travel pro tip on my travel checklist. A uh, bit of black tape. Because yeah, I keep meaning to do it, but I've not done it. But yes, that is that is a good pro tip. Yeah. I, I, I've had that in the back of my mind as a thing to do for a long time. And this year I finally did it. And it's one of those things where as soon as you have the tape available and you're standing in a hotel room, you're like, oh, there's so many things I could put this tape across, right? Do, 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 do. Make all these lights go away. <laughs> just taping up the window. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can tape up the window. Uh, you can put tape over the people. You can put tape over many things in the hotel room. Gosh, and then you just, they, you they do one of these with 10 USB ports on it. Mm -hmm. That is wild. Who needs that? But, that's a lot. That's, That's a lot. lot. Well, I would take more than four USB-A ports. But anyway, that brick so far 
is the best solution I've found. It's frustrating because I still have this, I need to duplicate some cables if I want to plug things into my computer, which is USB-C, so frustrating. Uh, but I can't get the USB-C charger, so frustrating. Uh, but the other thing is that cable, it has a removable power cord at the back, which uses this Infinity 8 style charger and you can buy wires for different countries that will then plug into the back of that anchor charger so at the moment that's my idea for how i'm going to handle this is i can have different wires for different countries that plug into that anchor power brick and then mm -hmm. i can plug all of the various crap that i need to charge into the front of that anchor device and that's that's where i am right now but i'm still not happy about it there's still too many wires it's things aren't nice and simple and nice and smooth the way I want them to be. But I would love to hear from the listeners what they do for travel charging. And I would really like knowing that the, the really big travel season is coming, that I've just been through the travel warm-up. I, I really want to hear everybody's tips and tricks from frequent travelers. Like if you travel a lot, I want to hear your tips and tricks in the, in the subreddit. Because I feel like I really need to gear up. I really need to gear up for this. I want to know your charging solutions. I want to know your solutions for everything. Tips and tricks, people, in the subreddit. I want them. I, I, already, I already feel bad for you. <laughs> Why? Because you're not going to get what you want. I know. It's like, please, listeners, fix, fix this for me. Have a magical solution. But, like... Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like, I really am kind of hoping that somehow there will be solutions that, that will be better than my many hours of searching everywhere over the internet with an open wallet. How did you miss this? It's right. It's available for you right here. Like, you know. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was deep into it. Like, I was so angry. At one point, I was re researching the USB-C spec. And I'm like, oh, this thing is a bunch of bullshit. That's why this isn't working out at all. It's like, oh, the USB-C spec is actually three specs. It's the physical spec. It's the data spec. It's the power spec. And then, and yeah. then going into this weird thing where it's like, oh, uh, Apple doesn't follow the power spec the same way all the other companies. It's like, oh, God damn it. Like, and then you've got Thunderbolt, which goes on top of it all, right? Makes it even more confusing. It's crazy. It's it's totally crazy. Uh, but it's again. This is where it's like I will I will use money to solve this problem. Like I I will buy hundred dollar USB C cables, and just just so I know that it always works with everything. But it's like I can't even do it. I can't even do it. Hello, Cortex listeners. As I'm sitting here in my black monolith recording this ad for you, I'm thinking what what could spruce this spot up? There's not a lot of space in here. I couldn't have any big objects. I would need something thin, possibly something very light to go on the walls. And I think that would have to be a Fracture. Fracture is the company that takes beautiful photos and turns them into glass. And every time you hear that, you're thinking, oh, it must be really heavy. But it isn't. The Fractures I've had in my hands, they're so light. They're surprisingly light. So I could actually mount some against this freestanding, ready-to-fall-over-at-any-moment soundproofing that's all around me right now. A little LED spotlight at the top. I think this could be great. Perhaps a beautiful nature scene to calm me down through rants about why USB-C cables are so frustrating. Anyway, if I can find a place in my house where I think a fracture should go, there's definitely places in your house where a fracture should go. 
Think of all of the photos that you've taken just trapped away in your photo library, rarely to be seen. You should go to FractureMe.com and have some of them turned into physical, beautiful pieces of art in your house. The fractures you'll receive are handmade in Gainesville, Florida, from U.S. source materials. They're sleek, they're frameless, they go with any decor. The ordering is super simple. The fractures come ready to mount right out of the box. They include the wall hanger and the screw that you'll need. It's really very simple. So head to FractureMe.com to get started. Use the offer code CORTEX and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's FractureMe.com. Offer code CORTEX to get 15% off. And in their one-question survey about where you came from, don't forget to pick CORTEX. It doubly lets them know that this show is where you came from. Thank you to Fracture for their support of CORTEX and all of Relay FM. I got a Roomba, and I love it. And I, I love it because... I've mentioned before, one of these, the like the dumbest the dumbest productivity tricks that I use on myself, which still works years and years later, is if I'm feeling lazy, I just start up one of the robots in my house doing work. So it's like, oh, okay. Um, I'm going to put a bunch of clothing in the laundry matron and I'm going to run it. And once the laundry machine is running, it feels like, oh, I should probably do something too, <laughs> right? And then it's like, oh, I'll load up the dishwasher. And then like, oh, the laundry machine and the dishwasher are running. Well, now I should really do something. Right? It just, it, it feels like there's some kind of force multiplier going on when there are machines that are doing work for me. They're your coworkers. They're not coworkers, Mike. Sure it's, they are. It's like, a, no, it's, no, not at all. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's this feeling of force multiplication. And I, I have the Roomba and I totally love it. Not least because now there are, by my count, four little robots that I can have doing stuff in the house. So it's like, okay, washing machine's going, dryer's going, dishwasher is going, and the Roomba is going. And then for sure, I am going to get some work done because I can't be the only one in the house not doing anything. And I absolutely love it. But so anyway, I've been talking about how much I love my Roomba to everyone who will listen. Like, oh, you should totally get a Roomba. And it's interesting, people push back against the idea of the Roomba because they're like, oh, but I'll have to, I'll have to vacuum myself some of the areas that the Roomba can't get. And they're like, can, does the Roomba do a perfect job? Can it do absolutely everything? And the answer is, of course, no. No, it can't do everything. But it can do a lot of things for you. And I feel like a Roomba is just another perfect example of like changing your expectations and being able to have big benefits from it. So people are like, oh, I'm going to set out the Roomba like I'm doing the vacuuming. And I'm going to set up the whole house in order to make sure that the Roomba can try to get everywhere. And it's like, no, 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 no. You just have it go and it does what it does and you just get the advantages from it. It feels like just a perfect example of automation. Like this thing is doing a job. Is it doing as great of a job as you could do as a person? No, 
Of course not. You could do a better job as a human being. You could get into all the little nooks and crannies. You wouldn't have to bounce around the room 300 times because you're blind and can't see where you're going and are just vacuuming randomly. No, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have to do that. But the whole point of the Roomba is that you don't have to do the thing. You can be doing something else. You're sitting on your computer, maybe answering emails. Probably not if you're me. But you can do something else. And it's just, I find it interesting that they're like... Some people have a hard time with this idea of if the job can't be done as well as I could personally do it, I don't want something else to do it. And I feel like it's you just this is like really important for learning how to get more stuff done in life. It's like, yeah, I'm accepting that this job is not going to be as thorough as if I was doing it, but it doesn't matter because I'm getting this productivity multiplier that something is happening i don't have to do it and i can i can let go of how it would need to be super perfect the way i would do it so i, I totally love my little roomba he's my he's my little productivity multiplier buddy i, ha- I have a comparison that i want to make mm-hmm. but like it's you have to like everybody just has to let me finish no, 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 I'm going to get ready to jump down your throat. Whatever you're going to say, halfway through, I'm going to interrupt Mike. It's kind of like hiring someone. <gasps> How dare you compare them to a vacuuming robot? In that, How dare like, you, Mike? Nobody is going to do things exactly the way that you would do them, right? Mm-hmm. Some things are going to be better. Some things are going to be different. Some things are going to be worse. Mm-hmm. But you kind of just... And this is the same with just delegation in general, right? Like not mm-hmm. even just hiring someone, like, but giving a task away to somebody else. There's going to be this like spectrum of how the results are at the end. But no matter what it is, like you do get a benefit from it, right? Like mm-hmm. even if something's not as good as you would do it, as long as it's done, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter, does it? No. Yeah. Roomba, it's baby's first delegation. <laughs> I don't know about that because they're really expensive. So, like, I don't know. I don't know if you can go there first. I think like other things have to happen in your life before you can get a Roomba. <laughs> That's true. Babies have no money to buy Roombas. No. I I did just see one on Amazon that integrates with the Echo. Oh no! Right, so I could be like Echo, stop the Hoovering or whatever. You and your Echo, Mike, you really love it. I do really love it. I do. So now I'm like looking at this like unnecessarily expensive Roomba. Like there are Roombas that are like multiple hundreds of pounds cheaper, but like, oh, but this one, <laughs> ooh, but this one, I can, I can connect it to my home automation system. Yeah. You want the so 960, Mike. That's what you want. Roomba That's 960. That's I'm looking at. It's Right at the top of the price pounds. pyramid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, but I can save 220 pounds, so that's good news. Is that what you have, the 960? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think Is it, it good? It was... Yeah, I love it. It's great. It's absolutely great. We're getting deep into Roomba talk now. How like often do you need to vacuum yourself when you have a Roomba? Like, you, Do you still need to go and like take care of it in some way? No. Okay. You, don't need, you don't need to take care of it. You just need to empty it sometimes. Okay. And I have it, I have it run... Uh, because I, I go to the, the glass forge in the morning. Mm-hmm. I have it just automatically scheduled that shortly after I leave, it just wakes up, sings, chirp, chirps a little happy song, and then goes around the whole flat vacuuming 
And what I really like is it sends you a little a little map of what it thinks your flat looks like after Aww. it's done. So you can see if it got blocked off somewhere or it, it sure. didn't like some room some room didn't work out. But it again, it's like it, it's a perfect example of oh, you know, on Monday it sends me back a little map and I can see that oh, like the kitchen door was closed so it didn't get in the kitchen. And instead of thinking like, oh, that Roomba's so useless, can't open doors. It's like, well, it's going to run again tomorrow and the day after, right? Like, it's going to get the kitchen eventually. Right. And then you just, like, open the door, right? Like, yeah. one day you're just going to open. Because I think about, like, with my place, but the bathrooms, because the bathroom doors close, right? Mm-hmm. So I so I would just need to prop it open one day so it can go in there and do what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. It's fantastic. Mm. Cleaning delegation. So, Gray, as of a couple of weeks ago, it is now possible uh, for many more people to get their hands on the Apple Pencil, which is a thing that we have extolled the virtues for for a couple of years now on this show, because Apple have released a a lower-end iPad, a like $330 iPad or something like that, uh, which now has support of the Apple Pencil. So all iPads have support for the Apple Pencil now, except the iPad Mini, RIP. Still there, but... I'm still selling it, um, but you. So did you not know this? Did you not know about this? Uh, yeah, I mean, I missed this one. Yeah, it wasn't I, big I, news. They had an event. I feel like right? I feel this is like a dereliction of duty for Cortex. But no, I feel like I totally, I totally missed this one. I'm sorry. Can't believe that. I just can't believe. But anyway, I mean, in, in fairness, I haven't been listening to podcasts because I have been traveling. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I I did totally miss this one. So just it's just all the iPads now have the pencil support. That is when people listen to podcasts is when they're moving around but like whatever you know you you, you do you i will do me so now all ipads can use the apple pencil now uh which is great because i think it's a great tool and now more people get to use it yeah that is great but i wanted to do a kind of recap slash primer for our apple pencil usage for two reasons one because mm-hmm. now more people will be able to use one and two people ask me for this all the time and mm-hmm. i will now be able to say go and listen to episode 67 of cortex and then i'm done right because right. I, I don't know about you but i get this question asked of me a lot like people getting their ipads for the first time like what apps do you use what do you use the apple pencil for what accessories do you have for it and all that kind of stuff so i mm-hmm. wanted to like just wrap it up into one little bundle here Hmm. So for me personally, the the most usage in a, in an application that I get from the Apple Pencil is in Notability, uh, mm-hmm. which is a note taking slash kind of like PDF markup application. Um, you can take regular handwritten notes, and if I have a, a meeting uh, where I want to be able to have my handwritten notes accessible to me later because it's an important meeting or whatever, then I will grab my. Uh, at my one of my iPads, I'll grab my Apple Pencil, I'll open Notability and I'll, I'll start making my notes there. And the same if I have a PDF that somebody sends me and maybe I want to make some changes on it or I want to just sit and kind of like really analyze it, then I will open it up in Notability and kind of get to work on it there. It has all of the features you'd expect, right? It has handwriting tools, you can draw some shapes and stuff like that, you can add text. Um, you can kind of grab things and move them around, which I really like. It has a really good selection tool, so you can write a bunch of stuff 
you draw a circle around it to select it and you can move it around or make it bigger or smaller, which can be really useful sometimes. If you want to mm-hmm. like fit more on a page, you can just shrink everything. Yeah, that's really nice. I really like Notability. It's a powerful app. It has a bunch of different paper stuff and I like it a lot. Um, if memory serves, you use GoodNotes, which is very similar, but it has just some slightly different features, right? Yeah, they're, they're pretty similar. Uh, one feature that GoodNotes doesn't have is that ability to uh, shrink down something, uh, which which can definitely be handy sometimes. Mm-hmm. But no, GoodNotes is, is my digital paper of choice, and I totally love it. Uh, every once in a while, I, I do check out Notability, and j- just for me, there's there's something that's just a little bit different about the way the two of them are handling the like the smoothing algorithm for when mm-hmm. you're writing there's there's like a little bit of a difference and i just i just like the way the good notes handles that much better uh, but yeah i i do the same thing where if i need to work with pdfs that's the place where i can mark them up and mostly i use it as as like these pads of paper for me to brainstorm ideas or or to write things out and it's it's really useful for um just for thinking things through for me uh as a little sidebar here mike i know you'll appreciate this but on my last round of travel i was trying to travel really light and i was i was trying to think like okay what can i not take with me and i i decided to not take my ipad with me on the last trip i was like okay (sighs) I don't think that I need it, but I definitely need the laptop. Uh, and I totally regretted not bringing it. Okay, phew. I thought you were punking me then. Right, okay. <laughs> 100%, I regretted not bringing it because of good notes. Because yeah. that really is just the way, when I'm in a particular mood, it's very useful to sketch stuff out with a pencil. It's just different than working on a computer. Like if you get into that kind of mode of like wanting to be able to grab this PDF or grab this image or grab this like uh, wireframe or, or like mock-up or whatever, mm-hmm. if you get used to doing that, it's so powerful because there is no better way of doing it, right? Like you can, you can do this stuff on a Mac, right? You can do it, but it's nowhere near as good because you're actually like manipulating the thing in front of you with a pencil. Like it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, the handwriting, sketching kind of stuff, it's, it's just clearly the the place that it is super superior. But also what you might enjoy is I was so frustrated at my decision to not bring the iPad that I went out and I bought a paper notebook and I bought a pen. And I was like, okay, well, I, like I'm in, the, I'm in the mood to do this kind of thinking. And I sat down with the paper notebook and the pen and I was sort of doing the same kind of thing I would do on my iPad. And I was like, oh, this is a far inferior experience because I can't do a lasso tool to move things around when I want yeah. to move them around. It's yeah. like it's just here on ink. It's I, I can't move this. How how am I supposed to copy and paste this when I want to show this thing three or four times? So it's like oh paper. That's why I left you paper. The digital stuff is is much better. This is like you know I said it like I made a hint to it. Like I am a big pen and paper guy, as people know. But if I'm taking notes on something that I consider to be really important i want them digitally so they're everywhere like i only ever take pen and paper notes in a meeting or on a call or whatever if it's like i'm expecting it to not need it that's the only time i ever do that yeah it was also an interesting moment where i recognized a whole orbit of problems that i used to have to deal with before the ipad and the pencil came around which is exactly this of 
all this work that I'm doing, how am I going to get it back into my system? And so I'm thinking like, am I just going to take a picture of these pages with my phone? Like, is that, am I going to, like, oh, how do I turn this back into digital? Because ultimately in my life and the way that I work, I want everything that's important should be digital and should be synchronized and should be everywhere. And I was just, just so aware that like, oh, I have to hold on to this paper notebook. And if I lose it, all the things I have written down are just gone. Like, well, that's dumb. That's ridiculous. I don't like this at all. It doesn't make sense in the modern world, right? It, it doesn't. And I get it. I was totally missing it. I, I will just quickly mention it's not, um, it's not strictly Apple Pencil stuff, but the one related tool that I use with GoodNotes when I'm working on things that are writing uh, and that I really love is I use Ulysses for most of the writing work that I do as my text editor of choice. And... Ulysses has a really great feature where not only can you export the text that you're working on as a PDF, so I can say like, oh, here's a thing I'm working on, export it as a PDF, open that PDF in GoodNotes, and then mark it up by hand with pencil, which I really think is a great thing to do to shift your mind into thinking about what you're working on in a different way. I find it really helpful. But Ulysses also allows you to customize the format of how that PDF is going to look. So I have a customized template that does two things. It exports the text at um, like triple spaced. So there's lots of space between the words. Mm -hmm. And I've also taken to dramatically reducing the opacity of the exported text. So the exported text is just a very light gray. And then that makes it really easy when I'm marking up stuff to later on see here's the, here's the markup. Here's all this plenty of space that I had. So, uh, GoodNotes is great, and I find if you're working with text, Ulysses plus GoodNotes is a is a great experience from going from text to PDF to markup to then put your changes back into Ulysses and, and go back and forth in that cycle. Yeah, I know that like the Ulysses team, they they really like to think of and build the application with specific tools and thoughts in mind for novelists, like for people that mm -hmm. write like long books and fiction and nonfiction, that kind of stuff. And that is clearly one of those features that was built for that type of work, right? Yeah. That you can export a PDF so somebody can, can mark it up, right? Like yeah. someone can print that and do some real kind of like marking up of the text and edits and all that kind of stuff, right? Like I don't know if many like bloggers do this, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I feel like a lot of my like blog writer friends use Ulysses because it also has like really great publishing tools and great markdown support and stuff like that. But then it also has these like, oh, you can triple space the lines in your PDF. Like that is clearly for the long form writers. Yeah, and, like, for you, it's because you're writing scripts, right? And it's a similar kind of idea that you're trying to edit something to be spoken out loud, which is a there are whilst they're not the exact same practice between like that and a novelist the reasons you're doing it are the same right which is to to whittle it down to make it as good as it can possibly be when when read which yeah. and I, you know i i would be surprised to know if any of my friends who write uh technology blogs print get their ulysses documents that was pdfs and start marking them up i don't know <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's a it's a very different use case. But mm -hmm. if if you're that kind of person, GoodNotes plus Ulysses on the iPad is a is a really great combination. Yep. Uh, to not to not have to go outside of it. Like I, I used I used to have a crazy script that just ran constantly on my computer that was uh, 
manually creating PDFs based on changes in Dropbox of Markdown files and exporting them to a folder, which I would then try to import into GoodNotes. It was it was wacky and fragile and terrible. And then Ulysses came along and like, goodbye, crazy system. This is much better. Hey, are you a freelancer? Well, let me tell you about FreshBooks. They know how important it is to make smart decisions for your business. If you're tracking your time or expenses or sending invoices to anybody, you need FreshBooks. But let me tell you why. They're going to help you save time. FreshBooks have calculated that they can save self-employed people up to 192 hours just if they use their cloud accounting software because it's so easy to use. They will simplify tasks like invoicing and tracking expenses and even maybe most importantly, getting paid online. FreshBooks has amazing tools that can simplify all of this for you. What I love about FreshBooks is just how easy and wonderful it is to create an invoice. Every time I go in, I see my invoice exactly how it's going to land in my client's inbox. And I'm able to type in some stuff. So I type in the name of a show and everything can pre-fill for me because it saves previously used entries. It's so, so awesome. I love that I can go and look at a specific company that we invoice and see how long it takes them to pay. So I kind of can get an idea for how long that's going to be. But what's great about FreshBooks is I never have to worry about where an invoice has been seen because right there on the page it will tell me this has been opened this has been printed so no more of those really uncomfortable emails hey did you see this no more with freshbooks and that's just one some of the many many ways that freshbooks will help you save your time if you're listening to this and you still haven't tried out freshbooks please go give it a go they're offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show with no credit card required just go to freshbooks.com cortex and enter cortex in the how you heard about us section so they will know that you went to them from this show our thanks to freshbooks for their continued support of this show and relay fm I also use uh, Apple Notes for Apple Pencil related stuff if it's like mm-hmm. I need a scratch pad. So Apple Notes I use for text is like my central storage point. Like I have so many things text related that go in there. I have PDFs that go in, like all my travel notes go in Apple Notes now. But if I just need to like do some quick scribbling or, you know, sometimes I'll get like I'll get like a contract coming or whatever and I need to just just check some stuff out, maybe do some sums or whatever I need to do. Mm-hmm. I will use Apple Notes for that and kind of just because you could just grab the pencil as you start you touch it to the paper it starts recognizing what's going on and you can just start writing in it and I, I like it for that and then you can just immediately get rid of it you can delete it um, Apple Notes has a feature that it pretends that is good uh, which is the ability to try and do uh, text recognition on the handwriting to like uh, in the sidebar to try and give you an idea of what's written in the notes like a heading how well does that work terribly Okay, not terribly, all right. I mean, okay, I have bad handwriting, but like, it's just everyone that I've ever known I've seen try to use it just has just like ridiculous things. I mean, it's doing OCR on it so you can also search the text. I mean, and it works, but not very well. Hmm. Um, there, there are also a couple of applications that I play around with um, that I like that are not necessarily things that I spend a lot of time in because I'm not good at some of this stuff but I like them anyway. And one of them is called uh, Linea. Linea? I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce it. Um, and it is like, it's a it's a drawing app. Um, and they just added in some features for like being able to mark up images and stuff like that. But um, I find Notabilities tools better for what I need there. But right. it's it's like an app to, to 
produce art and to do sketchups and they you know they have a lot of interesting templates and stuff so for like for app design and things like that so they have little templates that look like iPhones and you can draw in them it's a really nice little application it's it's low it's kind of of all of the applications that I've tried that are art related with the Apple pencil it is like the most focused and it has a more limited tool set um, mm. but I but it does them really well and it works really well and then kind of like on the other end of that, you have something like Procreate, which has every single tool available to you, right? Which is just this wonderful art application that I can't use because <laughs> I am just like, like just, just shocked into horror every time I open it because I don't know how to use it because it's so powerful and it's so far away from my skill set. But it is a fantastic app. You have a hard time with it because... It's such a complicated app, and it, you can't express your amazing artistic skills through this complicated app. Is that mm-hmm. is that the problem, <laughs> or is the problem a total lack of artistic talent? No, no, I just struggle to be able to, you know, get the tools to to make a true representation of the images in my mind. That's all it is, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, of course. Give me a paintbrush, uh, and I and I can do what I need. Yeah. I, on the other hand, have definitely bought many an art app on the iPad. Oh yeah. And yeah. within seconds, remembered I have no talent at all. <laughs> <laughs> why did i buy this i can do nothing with this app i have no talent <laughs> and there there are some vector apps as well right for the ipad i never found anything that was suitable to uh i guess i would fall in the category of professional vector use mm-hmm. I, I found a lot of stuff that was fine to play around with and maybe produce one or two things but I, I never found a tool that could do what I needed to do, which is manage a library of hundreds of vector assets and and be able to make changes across that kind of thing. So okay, uh, I, I'm, I've left that world behind, but at least when I was looking, I never found anything that felt like it was much more than really a, a toy vector app. Sure. That type of drawing style, like vector with the whatever it is, little anchors and the lines, I can't, I just can't, my brain cannot understand what mm. is going on whenever I try and use those? It's kind of quite, it's, it's quite funny, really. But I don't, I just can't get my head around it. It's art, but with math, Mike. Yeah, just sure. A, just a bunch of Bezier curves. Uh, Pigment is also really good, which is a <laughs> coloring book app. And so if you want to do coloring on your iPad, Pigment is there for you. It's the best one. There, don't try any other. Just use Pigment. Like if you want to try any coloring, uh, Pigment is the application for you. They even have like a bunch of like spin-off ones now like licensed stuff like marvel and things like that like they have like marvel coloring books powered by the pigment mm-hmm. technology that's kind of cool if you want it as well as all of this stuff both me and gray very frequently use uh, the apple pencil which is general ui navigation um mm. it still works um there are applications that it doesn't work in anymore which i understand but just in general across the entire system it is still a comfortable and kind of a repetitive strain friendly way to navigate an interface in the same way that we use Wacom tablets. Yeah, with, without a doubt. Uh, you know, my again, in my professional computer use, I, I, I know that I have to set hard limits on on the amount of hours I can spend at a computer doing work. Like I can't spend an infinite amount of time on the computer doing work. Like it'll I'll run up against physical RSI limitations. But with Pencil stuff, like, I, I personally don't run into that. And I, I always think it's much better. And uh, it is it is a thing as as my work has shifted more back to macOS and, and using a laptop. One of the things I, I think about a lot is 
that debate about, oh, Apple's not going to make any touch-sensitive laptops, which I think that debate is over and they totally should. Uh, but I also find myself thinking one step further. It's like, oh, yes, but if Apple does ever make a touch-sensitive laptop, I want it to work with the Apple Pencil, too. Because I have totally, in that subconscious way, when I'm sitting at a desk and I have my laptop in front of me and iPad is next to me and the pencil is on top of the iPad, I have sometimes, without thinking, grabbed the pencil to point it at or move something on the computer screen and then go, oh, right, it doesn't work at all. Uh, but yeah, it's it's great for UI navigation, and I want pencil support everywhere. On the phone, on the laptops, mm-hmm. on my watch. I'll take it everywhere. <laughs> Do you use any accessories for your Apple Pencil? Uh, yes. The only thing that I use is I have, um, what's it called? It's one of the D-brand skins. Yep. I have a couple yep. of different D-brand skins on a few pencils because... That, for me, it solved one of the my frustrations with the Apple Pencil is it's just, it's too slick. And uh, I am, it's interesting when you talk to people who use Apple Pencils because there are two kinds of people who use Apple Pencils. People who buy bags full of the Apple Pencil replaceable tips and people who don't know that the Apple tip is even replaceable. And I think... Some people just press harder on the screen and so like burn through those replaceable tips. And I am totally one of those people. And I think because I'm pressing harder, I often find that my fingers are sliding down the pencil as I'm using it. Like I want more friction. And so I I bought uh, quite a few um, wraps. The one that I find has the most friction and is the easiest to grip is like this pretty princess pink sparkly d-brand wrapper oh on the God. apple pencil yes yes <laughs> it, it's great <laughs> my wife is like i don't want to see you using that in public you can't use that in public but like but it's the grippiest one and it's the prettiest one i really like it <laughs> oh my gosh which one did you get was it d-brand or slick wraps I don't know. It's one of these wrap things. Like, Mike, you always want these specifics. I mentioned that I have a backpack, and then you need to you need to know the exact one. Look, all I know is I have a pretty princess sparkly wrap thing that goes around my pencil, which is super grippy, and I don't know why you need to know exactly which company it is. I don't know. I can't even remember. I bought that backpack. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> it's very, very good. Yeah. The reason why I didn't bring the the iPad is one of the trips I was trying to do with just that backpack uh, without bringing any other suitcases because it was a relatively short trip, or so I thought when the trip began. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's I've been putting that one through its paces, and I really like it as a as a travel accessory. I'm a big fan of it. Um, I I believe, or I'm expecting you have the Slick Wraps Glitz series uh, pink one here because that it's like be all it. glittery and stuff. Yeah, it's sparkly. Yeah, it's sparkly. Because okay, D brand only make the one that looks like a pencil. Oh, do they only? Okay, so then it yeah. must be a slick wrap one. It's a slick wrap one. So I've had D brand skins and slick wrap skins. Uh, I like them both. The, um, the ones that I had I had one that looked like a regular pencil, one that looked like a crayon. Um, mm-hmm. I then uh, I then made my own. What with one of those like custom designer things? No, me and our designer Simon did it. Like ah, okay. We worked together on it, and I had like a, a Mike brand skin uh, on, mm-hmm. on my Apple pencil, which I love. 
However, all of these are being eschewed now for a product called the Caveco Grip. Hmm. Okay. What is this? Tell me. Caveco is a traditional pen company from Germany. Oh, okay. Here we go. They make fountain pens and they make regular pens and they have a long history. I was getting excited, but now I don't know. Absolutely out of the blue at a trade show a couple of months ago, Caveco showed off the grip. It's currently only available from one place in Europe, which is the son of the founder of Caveco's company called Most Wanted Pens. And it is an entire, like, sleeve slash case type dealio for the apple pencil Um, this looks really interesting made out of aluminium and it has uh what is called a knurled grip um it's which means it has like a texture to the grip right yeah and the way that you put it on is you slide one piece over and then you slide another piece you twist it and it locks into place and they have them in the four colors that apple make their devices in and I love it. I have one on one of my Apple Pencils. I have another one on the way. I will tell you in advance what this thing does. So it makes it heavier. And because the Apple Pencil is so big, it kind of makes it maybe a little bit too heavy, but you get used to it. But then what it does is it stops it rolling because it has some flat sides on it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it gives me what I've been looking for forever, which is a grip. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like I've... I've... It's inevitable that one of these is going to arrive at my house somehow. I don't know. I recommend that you wait until you see me next, and then I'll and mm. then you can try it because it's it's not a cheap thing. It, and then you have to do the shipping, which is coming from Europe, so that adds on. To, just try it out because you might not like it. So I would recommend just like waiting until I I can show you one before you go ahead and buy it. Eh, click. It's probably already bought, but um... <laughs> too late. <laughs> The, the the question that I would ask, which I already know the answer to, but I'll ask anyway, is can you force it to fit in the top of the leather traveling case for the iPad? Probably not. I mean... Yeah, that's what I assume because it looks pretty junky. I haven't tried it because I don't have one of those. Uh, you might... I don't think... Well, okay, it's leather, so it will stretch, but that's mm-hmm. what you'll need to do. That's what I'm wondering. There's a little bit of give. Yeah, I'm sure you can stretch it. <laughs> I reckon if you if you put it in upside down, you might have a better chance, but then you might lose the cap forever. So, you know, it's up to you, I guess. But yeah, I mm. don't use... So you use one of those then. That's, that's another accessory you have then. The, the, uh, the leather travel case for the iPad. Yeah, I do use that, and I, I use it when I'm traveling... For for exactly one reason, which is I'm getting on an airplane. And, you know, there's like this, there's always like this hassle when you're getting on an airplane because you have people behind you. There's like this rush. You, you can't futz around for too long. Otherwise, you're holding up an entire airplane of people. And it's a very, it's a very uncomfortable moment. But I, I love having that iPad leather travel thing because it means that when I am Getting on the plane, I can just reach in and grab that thing and know that while I'm sitting in the airplane seat, I have the complete iPad package. Right. right. Like, I know that I have the keyboard case because the keyboard case hasn't slipped off in the backpack from being jostled around. And I know that I have a pencil to work with this stuff. So that is... That is very, very often my move of sitting down on an airplane. It's like I'm only going to get two things out of my backpack. It's like I'm going to have a, a bottle of water on the side, and then I'm just going to reach in and grab the iPad 
travel sleeve. And I just love that it's a single package because before I had that, like fairly frequently, I would sit down and go like, oh, I don't have the pencil in my pocket because I'm traveling and I'm doing everything differently. Or or like I said, the, the cover would slide off and then I'd have to root around in my bag and people are glaring at me while they're waiting to get, get further down the airplane. So... I don't I don't use it like around the house. I don't put the iPad in it. But if I'm traveling, iPad totally goes in that pencil on the top. I don't know if this will if that if this will work for that. But I do really like this product. I, I keep my Apple pencil attached to my iPads via a pen loop. Right. Yeah. Which is all links for all of this stuff will be in our show notes. By the way, one of the other reasons I'm doing this. I think links for none of this stuff should be in the show notes. I think this should be an episode where you don't have any show notes, Mike. How about I tell you there won't be any? Okay. Okay. Um, and so I use a, a little pen loop, which I keep att- my iPad attached to it forever. And also say, if you don't want to go down the route of the Kaveco grip, but you want to add something to stop your Apple Pencil from rolling around, you can add a a, a pen clip that work with the Fisher Space Pen, which is a little mm-hmm. pen that is like basically the exact dimensions and thickness. So I've always used those as well before I got this Kaveco thing. So I just have a little clip. So when I put my Apple Pencil down, it won't roll away. So that is it. That's the Apple Pen- the apps we use and the accessories we use. So now I have this one place that I can send people to forever. All right. Just tell them right after the Roomba talk. <laughs> just jump in right after the Roomba and <laughs> you'll get what you want. Cortex Merch. Oh, CortexMerch.com? CortexMerch.com. By the time you're listening to this, you may have just a very small window left to buy our amazing merch. It is available until April the 10th, 2018. We are not sure when or if this stuff will be available again. We've mentioned the the gold Cortex anniversary and the glow-in-the-dark Cortex shirt will not be available. They are limited edition. But we're hoping that maybe at some point the original and the hoodie might come back, but we don't know when. So if you want them... Go to cortexmerch.com and buy one. Thank you to everybody that did buy one. I will say I have been giving away codes on an almost daily basis on the Cortex Twitter account, which is at Cortex Podcast. Um, I am trying increasing ways of difficulty to give these codes away, but the Cortex listeners seem to be very intrepid in that it doesn't seem no matter what I do or how hard I make them, they go very quickly. But I still have a few more codes to give away, so if you want to get a shot at getting a free shirt, you can go follow at Cortex Podcast on Twitter. But we have our amazing merch available for a couple more days at CortexMerch.com. Hopefully you got in time because you don't want to don't want to be disappointed. Avoid disappointment. Go to CortexMerch.com. Yeah, there isn't much time left in, entirely, entirely because of me. <laughs> And my travel schedule <laughs> delaying the show. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, <laughs> listeners. But seriously, if you're listening to me right now and you've just downloaded the show and you want a hoodie or you want a shirt, you need to go to cortexmerch.com right now. Yeah. I mean, I know our stats and like the vast majority of people get to this within the first three days or so. So they've still yeah. got enough time. So there's no excuse here. Go to cortexmerch.com, pick up a shirt. Or a hoodie. Or all of it. Yes, or all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do some hashtag Ask Cortex questions? It's been a while since we've done some Ask Cortex. Yeah, let's do that. Let's go with Rinaldi's question first. Rinaldi wants to know, Gray, what font do you use for your scripts? <laughs> uh, okay. So this is a uh, this is an interesting time to ask. Let me let me back up and say, I have a very very strong opinion here mm. that 
if you are doing anything that's a kind of writing on the computer, you have to go with a monospaced font. A monospaced font where all the letters are the same size, that is what you want. I think it's, it's just nicer for looking through something and editing something for all of the letters to be the same size, like it's an old-fashioned typewriter. What does that mean, the same size? Uh, it means that all the letters are the same width. Okay, so it's the same space always, right? So, like, if you're writing a word that has the letter I in the middle, yeah, it doesn't squish down on either side. It doesn't squish down on either side. Okay. Now, I think when you're reading something normally... Like you're, you know, you're reading a book on your Kindle. You don't want a monospaced font. It would drive you crazy. I think that's a, that's a very different experience. But I really think that there is something beneficial about when you're writing something to have this even look across the page that mm. all of like the width of all of the letters are the same. There's something about it that just makes it much easier to quickly compare previous lines or to know how long things are like I, I feel very very strongly about monospace fonts i think it's interesting about that i mean i've never really used monospace fonts because up until like two years ago i didn't know what it meant um mm -hmm. uh, but i am prone to almost especially in my friend group uh i have a real reputation of just making horrific spelling blunders <laughs> which are based upon the fact that I'm very bad at recognizing something is misspelt. I'm a, mm -hmm. I'm not a bad speller, but like I type something incorrectly and I always miss it. Mm -hmm. um, and I wonder if a monospace font would help me with that because I might be able to to spot my misspellings a little bit easier. Uh, well, I mean, I'll tell you as a horrific speller myself, absolutely horrific. So bad that many an English teacher told me that this would hold me back in my life significantly huh. if I didn't learn how to spell. <laughs> uh, a, a monospace font does not help with that at all. Oh, I spelled just as badly with a monospace font as oh, I do well. um, with condemned. a regular font. Condemned. <laughs> it helps not at all. <laughs> um, this is, for anybody that's not aware of this, this is probably my crowning achievement in life now at this point that. The most important tweet that I have ever written, which was the tweet in which I was announcing to the world that I was oh, quitting God. my day oh, job. That uh, makes me awkward just to hear you start to, to tell to it. To become <laughs> a professional podcaster. The tweet ended with professional podcasters. I added an S to the end of podcaster. Uh, so in what was maybe the, the most important 140 characters to me that I will ever write, uh, that, was, that was there. But however, I now kind of wear that particular mistake as a badge of honor, looking mm -hmm. back on it, because it's funnier to me, because now it's a meme uh, that I see yeah. pop up every now and then, which, which is it's now I, now I embrace it. At the time, I just wanted to die. Mm -hmm. uh, editable tweets would be a great, just a great thing to have at this point. But yeah. Sure would. It's never going to happen. <laughs> so if you are looking for monospace font, the, the thing that I would recommend doing is just Google around for programmer fonts because it's a similar thing that if you're a computer programmer, then it becomes an absolute necessity mm -hmm. that the font is monospaced. That that is not a style preference. Like if you are a computer programmer and you're not using a monospaced font, uh, you're crazy. You can't, you can't do that. So I would Google around. There's a whole bunch of different ones. And uh, I would say the one that I have used by far the most over the years 
is uh, a font called Inconsolata. I think it's a it's a nice trade-off between readability and monospaceness if someone's wanting to get into the monospace font. I feel like that one is always my default. Um, I'm never 100% satisfied with it because I feel like it almost does too good of a job of, of looking like it's not monospaced. Uh, even while it, while it is being it. But so I recommend that one as, as the place to start. That is the one that I've used the most over the years. Um, I have I have recently switched to a different and, and quite stylistically dramatic monospaced font that I'm liking a lot for writing the scripts in. But I'm going to have to keep it a secret right now what that font actually is. I don't want to I don't want to say it out loud. I'll just say that it's going to appear in a video at some point. And that's a font I've been using, but I don't want to I don't want to give it away right now what monospace font I'm actually using. I cannot get my head around what it's going to give away, right? Like obviously the reason you're not talking about it is that if you talk about it it gives something away is would be my mm-hmm. expectation. And like what could that mean? I don't know, Mike. Coming soon to CGP Gray's YouTube channel. Font reviews with Gray. That's that's what it is. Now we know. It's your spinoff. Maybe it gives away nothing. I just don't want other people to use the font until I go public with it. Maybe that's it. Maybe it gives away the entire topic. Gray, are you a font hipster? <laughs> it's all about brands, Mike. I was using fonts back when nobody knew about them. They were just cool. This is where someone on Twitter tells us what a typeface is. And I forget immediately. <laughs> we did this recently. I think we got away with it. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace because they give you all of the tools that you need to put your next project or idea online. With the ability to grab a unique domain name to give your website that, that great brand. With the ability to take advantage and customize beautiful award-winning templates to help you show off your great ideas, they are the all-in-one platform to let you put your stuff online. No matter what type of website you want to make, whether you want to make a blog, whether you want to make a gallery, maybe you want to make a site for your restaurant, maybe you even want to be able to sell stuff with an online store Squarespace has all of this functionality and bags more. There's nothing to install, no patches, no upgrades that you need to think about. Squarespace have got you covered on all of that. And if you need any help, they have great documentation, they have great uh, FAQs and forums and all that stuff, but they also have 24-7 customer support, which is award-winning, and there whenever you need it. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial today with no credit card required. Just go to squarespace.com slash Cortex. Then when you decide to sign up, use the offer code Cortex and you'll get 10% of your first purchase of a website or domain and you'll be showing your support for this show. Once again, that is squarespace.com slash Cortex and the code Cortex to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for the continued support of this show and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Daniel wants to know how the Switch is going. Have you been playing much Nintendo Switch recently? I mean, I could say, obviously, I have. Uh, I, I play my Nintendo Switch a lot. Have you? Uh, you know, sort of, sometimes. It's a Mario Kart machine, and I remember that yeah. it's a Mario Kart machine sometimes, and that's yeah. that's just about it. I think that you are in the market. Like you're in the the kind of the segment of a Switch owner who will buy like one or two games a year, which is like a perfectly valid purchaser, like who's not going to buy lots and lots of games. But like 
once or twice a year, Nintendo is going to bring out a big first party title that that's going to find its way into your home and you'll enjoy. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to enjoy all of them, you know. And I've been that way in the past with with consoles, and I'm kind of that way with my PlayStation now. Where like, there's going to be a couple of games a year on the PlayStation that I'm going to want for the PlayStation, but mm-hmm. won't be playing the majority of my gaming there. Yeah, I mean my uh, my pre order copy of Kirby just arrived, but I haven't had a chance to open it and try it out. So I'll see how that is. Now, why did you buy that? I don't know. I remember I liked Kirby when I was a kid. Okay. I pre-ordered it so long ago, I didn't remember. And it, sh- hmm. it showed, I was like, what's this package? And I opened up, I was like, oh, hey, Kirby. I don't remember ordering you. I guess I did. Uh, and this is also apparently so long ago, it was before I knew that you could download things on the Switch, like you helpfully explained to oh, me, because yes. I thought it was still all yes, cartridges. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, what Those do you tasty, mean there's an online cartridges. store? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I've played the Kirby demo and, and it didn't really grab me, but I've never enjoyed Kirby games, so yeah. uh, it, that wasn't really one for me. Yeah, I, I really like them. But, you know, anytime you want to, Mike, we can talk about Super Mario Galaxy, I know, or Super Mario Odyssey. Which one was it? <laughs> no, it's okay. We can talk about any time, Mike. I played no, that it's one. Okay. I played that one all the way to the end. Are there any games in your life right now that you're enjoying a lot? No, I've been in a bit of a... No video game phase. Okay. I feel like there's many things in my life that are on these sine waves. And video, video games and podcasts and audiobooks are, are like these overlapping sine waves where they, they always right. go in these phases. And I'm in a bit of a no video game phase lately. Uh, so, yeah, I haven't, I haven't picked up anything lately that I really like. But I understand, Mike, mm-hmm. that if there are video games that you're really enjoying, there's a place that I can... I can hear about those video games. Where is that place, Mike? Uh, Relay.fm slash playing for fun. Ah. That's a great place to go. Um, Yep. (laughs) Are you uncomfortable with the opening that I gave you to promote your own show, Mike? (laughs) I didn't see it coming. Was it so direct that it made you uncomfortable? Well, no, because there's a thing that we're going to do, and I didn't know if I wanted to mention it or not. We're going to play Portal 2 together and stream it. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. And I didn't know if I wanted to mention it or not. Mm-hmm. Well, you've mentioned it now. Because we don't have, like, the dates locked down for it yet. This is a Cortex content exclusive reveal. That's what you've just given us. Again, like, you're having real trouble today understanding where the boundaries of what's in and out of the show are. I don't know what's <laughs> happened to you. Yeah, sorry, listeners. Mike is in a bit no, of a funny no, mood this is behind the scenes in. here. Right? Like, no, this is this has to go in the show, right? Listeners, Mike is in a bit of a funny mood. And so he keeps phasing in and out of what's in the show and what's not in the show. Mike doesn't know. And I just keep, I keep bringing it back. And then Mike is frustrated that I've turned his personal woes into what I think is pure gold Cortex content. So I guess then uh, <laughs> you can also go to twitch.tv slash playing for fun FM. And you can follow me and Tiff on Twitch, and we're going to be playing Portal 2 uh, soon. I don't, you know, I guess you can get notifications for that or whatever. You know, maybe we'll upload it to YouTube too or something as well. You're killing mm. me today. You're killing me. I'm not killing you. I'm helping you, Mike. I don't know if you are. Vex wants to know, did either of you receive any advice on self-employment or entrepreneurship, either by your family or some other person or entity? Um, before you decided to go out on your own and what do you think about entrepreneurship courses well mike you're the you're the man who lived in the business world um 
I don't know what I think about courses. I've never taken any. Mm-hmm. I would say only a pay for a course if there's nobody, literally nobody in your life <laughs> that can give you advice about this. Like, hmm. if there is no one in your life that can give you advice or at least tell you where to go for advice that they got, you shouldn't do a course. Like if you've got, if you're in a situation where there is nobody in your life that is able to help you, then 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 give it a go. The reason I say this is because there are a lot of almost snake oil like things in the entrepreneurship world. Mm-hmm. I genuinely believe that they're not all like this. That there are genuine, like there are people that believe that they can genuinely help and do help. But I wouldn't want to say that it is like a constant, you know, that every single entrepreneurship course is going to help you. I would also say any entrepreneurship course that you are going to go on, just do some research about the person who is giving it to you. Because if their literal only entrepreneurship is this course, then I would maybe question how helpful they could be. Like if the only thing that they've ever been successful at is giving these courses they don't have experience running another business, then I would question it because what entrepreneurship do they actually know? Anyway, so <laughs> I have a lot of problems with these types of things. So like these courses, like there are a lot of like online courses that you can take from like experts that are only, their only experience is this thing that they do. So I, I get really wary about a lot of stuff like that. So do some due diligence on the person that you will be paying probably a lot of money to. So that's my feeling on those things. The reason I say all of this is because all of the advice that I got was from people that knew me. And I mm-hmm. think that there is so much importance to be placed in that, that if you can get advice on this stuff from someone that you know that you already have a relationship with they're going to know enough about you to be able to make some recommendations that they know will or won't work with you. Yeah. So uh, all of my advice, all of my help, all of my assistance that I ever got and continue to get comes from people that I have a relationship with. Yeah, that's one of the things with giving advice in general that that's tricky. Like even in this moment here like people ask us Ask Cortex questions. We are giving advice about giving advice, which is an interesting paradox to be in. But nobody's yeah. paying us for this. <laughs> but, but but like, you know, the podcast is obviously a money-making venture. Mm-hmm. I like doing the questions, but it is always a moment I'm very aware of that a, a person is asking a question and like the entirety of their life has been condensed down into a sentence or two to fit on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And so you have to sort of talk about it in a in a very general way hopefully you do have people in your life that can know you and and talk to you directly about this kind of stuff and like i was very i was very lucky that both of my parents i would not say that they are entrepreneurs because that that's a word that has become sort of poisoned and it's like someone introduces themselves as an entrepreneur it's such a good word it is a good word but it's this it's this weird thing where like we're always we're always losing words in English right mm-hmm. because too many people start 
piling onto them. And uh, it's, it's like, oh, now if, as, as happens, if I'm somewhere and I meet someone and they introduce themselves to me as an entrepreneur, it's like my, my mental Bayesian filter has put it at 80% probability that this person is some kind of business sphincter that just spews hot air constantly. Like, ah, that's probably what you do. Uh, because entrepreneur is just like you talk a lot about how you're doing things. That's probably what this means now. You okay over there, Mike? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm all good. I, I have realized now, like in my tirade, like that the, the irony of this show, right? Like in that, and I understand if people feel that way about what we're doing here, right? Like talking yeah. about our productivity. Because there, there is a thing that I find I find really funny that that people mention, like you know, no, I'm not going to get into this. Like the you, what do you do? And I think, that's like what? What do you think? There's nothing. It takes nothing to do this stuff. Oh, he doesn't make videos anymore, so he doesn't work. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Mike, I need no defending. <laughs> no, but it, no, because it annoys me because people are like talking that that my work mm-hmm. is nothing work, like podcasting. Mm-hmm. That's a piece of. Piss. Right, like doesn't take anything. <laughs> oh, you're not making a YouTube video, so you're not actually doing any work. <laughs> anyway, there's the problem, Mike. When you make something sound natural and conversational, it doesn't sound like it's anything. Right? Yeah, I guess so. I, I guess you're right. Even if there are a thousand cuts. Yeah, I guess. I guess there's a weird compliment in that, right? Yeah, it shouldn't sound like it's any work. It should sound like we just we're just hanging out. Mm-hmm. But but along those like sort of along those lines, and having a meta conversation about this very show itself is so. Well, I wouldn't say that my parents were entrepreneurs. Both of my parents were very entrepreneurial. Like they they had successful side businesses that made money, and they had successful side projects, and they were they were always thinking about other stuff to do. Like my my father was self-employed and my mom was a flight attendant which just like me becoming a teacher was a career that gave an enormous number of hours of free time if you did it right and so she spun off successful businesses on the side like they were both very entrepreneurial and I think growing up and just seeing that was very useful but my parents never really spoke about it explicitly but I think just seeing that happen was good when I was a kid or my parents uh, sometimes very much against my will involving me in their entrepreneurial side businesses uh, <laughs> right was also hey it's summer <laughs> <laughs> yeah I I don't know if I've told you this on the podcast Mike but the one the one which at the time I've, I felt deeply ambivalent about but now I look back on it like oh that was a good thing that, that I did was Still to this day, I've asked my father so many times, I've never quite figured out, like, how exactly did this happen? But my my mom was making jewelry and selling it at these very upscale craft fairs, which I don't quite think these things exist in the modern world the way they did when I was growing up, because I think something about them is a little bit pre-internet-y dependent. It's Etsy now. It's, it's, that's where that stuff goes. Yeah, it's kind of like Etsy, but for the very top of the market sure. in very particular neighborhoods. It was. Oh, buddy, you can get some expensive stuff on Etsy, let me tell you. Like, it's not <laughs> all cheap. Yeah, it's... It was hard to it was hard to describe it. So my mom 
spun this off. And that was an example where like sometimes she would bring me into Manhattan with her while she was making inventory purchases, like for, for the beads and the jewels and things that she needed. And it's like, oh, it's interesting to see that. And obviously my father who uh, was a lawyer and a tax attorney, like had done a bunch of these things. The gears were spinning in his, in his head during these weekends. And I don't know, I don't know how it happened, but somehow my father was like, oh, I know what I'll do at these upscale craft fairs. I'm going to sell pretzels that are made by the Amish. <laughs> and my dad somehow got like this Amish connection where we like we would go to a Pennsylvania Dutch village and be like, wholesale buying a, a bunch of their handmade pretzels and then bringing them to like a chocolate factory to get them dipped in chocolate <gasps> and then selling them at these craft fairs. And my dad had somehow been able to talk his way out of being lumped in with the other food vendors. He's like, oh, no, this isn't food. This is handcrafted by the Amish. I deserve to be in the craft section of this market. So we were the only food vendors in this whole area and i will never forget as a kid my dad's like guess what son you're selling pretzels now <laughs> like you have never told me this story that is wild it was it was really wild why did your dad act ever like get this into his head i don't know like i've been through this many times with him and i can never quite figure out exactly how it got started or like who was the amish guy you knew who started this off like i don't i don't really <laughs> understand that's a wheeler dealer like <laughs> what? he was a tax attorney like what why would he want to sell pretzels that's so funny yeah keep, yeah keep in mind like during all this time he's doing his law practice as well but those those weekends i was i was just like the kid who was now selling pretzels with my father and uh it, it was it was a great experience. Like I'm, I'm really glad that it was a thing that I did. But like uh -huh. that, that was kind of like uh, you're getting you're getting wrapped up in these entrepreneurial activities, whether you like it or not. And I certainly didn't like it at the time because all I was I was like terrified that some of my classmates would see me at these things. But luckily, they were far enough away from where I grew up. And the other thing that like even though I was kind of embarrassed to be there at first, I sure couldn't help but notice that like we couldn't collect the money fast enough. Hmm. The fact that my dad had talked his way into being away from all the other food, it was just like collecting money for eight hours a day. And I was like, aha, well, 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 this this sort of changes the concept of the, the idea about like, what can you do that people want to give you money? And we did it for a number of years and built up reputations where people knew that, that like, even though we showed up with several truckloads of these pretzels, we would sell them all out before like 3 p.m. So people knew they had to come and get the pretzel straight away. That's like my growing up with entrepreneurial activities around me. But the thing that's a little bit of a capper on this is another thing that I don't know how it happened. My father ended up running while he was selling pretzels, while he was also a lawyer, a night school, like running classes for adults in the evening. And he taught entrepreneurship in one of these classes. Like he was running the thing and he also did a class on entrepreneurship and he was a great teacher. But the thing he always told me was people who go to classes on entrepreneurship, they don't start businesses. People who start businesses, they just start their businesses. They don't go to classes about how to start the business. And I thought that was that was like a that is very good advice. It was a very interesting point. And yeah, he's like, people you see come to two entrepreneurship classes, you know, they're never going to start 
a business. It's just not going to happen. And I, I personally would dial back my dad's advice a little bit because I can't remember where I heard this joke, but I heard a joke that I think is applicable across many things. And it was a joke about going to improv classes. And the joke is the first improv class you go to, it makes you funnier because you learn some of the structure of humor. And every improv class you go to after the first one makes you less funny. And I feel like that can be applied probably to many things. I bet that going to the first business class for a lot of people or the first class about how to write or the first class about many skills that you can develop on your own, I think there can be value in the first one. But not only is there maybe not value in the second one, but there's negative value in the second one. So that's the big picture thought there on uh, like self-employment and or entrepreneurship stuff. Pretzels, man. Yeah. Got me through college, those pretzels. <laughs> like it literally paid for my college education. Boxes and boxes of pretzels. That's what the P stands for in CGP. It's pretzels. No, it's not what the P stands for. Chocolate garnished pretzels gray. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's Nailed exactly it. it I cracked the code, everyone. I did it. <laughs> <laughs>